You can die in cancer and you can go to heaven. You can die in natural causes and you can go to heaven. You can die in kidney trouble and sugar diabetes and poverty and loneliness and rags and a car accident and you can die in a poorhouse and still make heaven. But you cannot die in sin and make heaven. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. I've been looking forward to this message for a long time because I'm going to take you to heaven today. I'm going to take you into God's word and tell you what God's word says heaven is going to be like. And it's going to surprise some of you because we all have this mystical, if you will, idea. How many ever saw movies about heaven? It's just got a bunch of people walking around on clouds. That's all nice and fanciful and stuff like that, but it's not the Bible. I've had people ask me over the years, what's heaven going to be like? What are we going to do? Are we just going to float around on clouds and play harps all day? If we do, I hope you're a good harp player. The Bible does not say that heaven is in the clouds. Yes, the Bible talks about clouds in the heavens, but that's talking about the first heaven, which as we talked about last week, there's three heavens. There's the atmosphere where the clouds are, the birds are, the, 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 the uh, just beautiful uh, stuff that we see every day. The second heaven is the stratosphere or the place outside of space. Once you leave, I don't know what it is, uh, you know, 50,000 feet into the air, you, you, you leave that area and then you get into the darkness. Then there's the third heaven, which is God's throne room. You know, the Bible talks a lot about heaven. But one of the things that the scripture declares heaven will be is far more than a functionless democracy, much like we have in America today. Some of you will get that when I get done. The image that is there, when we read about the 24 elders, when we read about different things, we read about a, a, a place with different levels of responsibility designated or assigned to different people, all in a structural order. 
God is a God of order. Everything. You know, this whole concept of chaos. Oh, there's chaos, but it isn't the God I serve. It's the God of this world. Confusion, frustration, aggravation, all those things are not from God. He is a God of order. Let me give you just a very quick glimpse. If you were to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 3, listen to this, not 5, 17, we're at 6, 3. It's not in your notes. The scripture is, but you need to look in your Bible. Do you know the first, one of the first orders of business that you and I will have in heaven? The Bible says we're going to judge angels. Does that sound like a place that nothing is going to be happening? We're going to be judging angels. Yet, before all of this begins, and I want you to hear this, all must end. The disharmony, the disunity, the chaos that this world has become will end. And look what the word of God says. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will never. Now, these will give us some glimpses into what heaven is going to be like. Why? Because everything that ever has been is or will be, the Bible says God created with his word. The power of his word. So when God speaks it, guess what? It happens. And it has happened. It's interesting, about 20, 22 years ago, 25 years ago, something like that, science made an interesting discovery about the universe. It is still being created If you're a science guru, if you're somebody that reads that kind of stuff, which you said, well, pastor, science and Christianity is opposed to each other. No, they're in great harmony. It's just the scientists are trying to explain away God so they don't have to be responsible to God. It says, the science has found that the earth, that the, the universe is continuing to be created. Do you know why? When God said, let it be in the beginning, he didn't say, let it stop. There's a whole lot still happening. There's a whole lot still happening. But this earth, before it all begins, before this heaven that we're talking about begins, all has to end. And it's all going to begin, end, and begin again with God's word. We should remember something that gives us a glimpse into what yet will be. That is God's word. Everything was created by him, for him, through him, and his word will never cease. It's just that all, look in your notes there. I want you to underline this line. It's just that all will be made new. Folks, this isn't rocket science. It's just that we have this concept, most of it because of the fancifulness of Hollywood and of what heaven could be like. God tells us 
what it's going to be like. Just like you and me. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. If a man is in Christ, he is a new person. Look at this line. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. So let's jump into this today. Before all is renewed, all has to be concluded. Before all is renewed, all has to be concluded. And let me share some things with you. Number one, all things will be revealed. One of the very first things that happen when we get to heaven is something called the judgment seat of Christ. This is where, listen to me, Christians, this is where the works of the Christians will be judged. Yes, everything that we have done since we have been Christian, we have named the name of Jesus, will come under the light of judgment. Okay, look what the Word of God says, 2 Corinthians 5.10. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. He's writing to Christians. Listen to this. So that each of us may receive what is due us. We're going to be receiving things. Okay? What is due us? Look at for the things that were done while we were in the body, in this earthly body. And look at these next words, whether good or bad. There's an accounting, even for Christians. I'm not talking about salvation. And you can read through this. I don't have time this morning to talk about it. Over in 1 Corinthians 3, it talks about that everything that we've done in this life will be judged, at whether it's wood, hay, or stubble. Literally, that's talking about whether it's done for our own glory no, Christians would never do anything for their glory, would they? Or gold, silver, precious stones, whether it's done for God's glory. And you can go there, it's 1 Corinthians 3, and look at it later. But think about it. He says, you will be saved. But God said, I'm going to judge that on the motive of the heart. See, there's, there's an accounting time. Before all can begin, all has to end. All, before it can be renewed, it has to be concluded. Sadly, only the saved will stand before the judgment seat of Christ, where every man's work will be tested, and sincere dedication will pay great dividends. People sit back and say, oh, I'm not doing this for nothing. Well, you ought to start thinking about something. Because God says there's going to be reward for our lives. There's going to be rewards, rewards for our commitment. But then there's the other throne that the Bible talks about. Just the name of it brings shivers. The great white throne. That judgment is for the lost. Look what it says in Revelation 20. Before we read 20, you can read all about this this uh, this. Uh, 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 Bema seat is what it's called, judgment seat of Christ in Revelation 7. I've got tons of scripture, folks. If you look at the last page of your notes, if you look there, flip it over, you see what I put down at the bottom? I got about 40 or 50 extra scriptures, and that's only because I got tired of looking for them. There's, there's lots of scriptures talk about heaven and what we're going to be doing in the life that God created us to be a part of. 
So I encourage you, as I do every Sunday, take your notes home and study them. Okay? Look at Revelation 20. And I saw a great throne, a great white throne. And I saw the one sitting on it. And I saw the dead, both great and small. So you see, it doesn't, it's not an issue that you're going to get past this because you're a good person or because you're a grand person or you've done great things. I saw the great and small standing and the books were opened. All were judged according to their deeds, the life they lived. Anyone, I think this is interesting for us to see, but it's not the deeds that make the issue. Anyone whose name was not found in the book of life were thrown in the lake of fire. You can be as good as you can be. And it's not going to get you to heaven. Your name has to be in the book of life. All's going to be revealed. Second thing, look at this. All records are going to be opened. The Bible says the Lamb's book of life is there. All the records will be opened. The book of life happens before the great white throne judgment. We'll, we find this once again in the book of Revelation chapter 7. It's interesting. It begins in chapter 6, goes through 7, and concludes 8 verse 1. Everything has been recorded. Every idle word, every thought, every deed. But the Bible says we're not to rejoice because of what we have or have not accomplished. We are to rejoice because our names are written in heaven that we are written alongside of the general assembly, the church of the firstborn, who was the firstborn among many brethren. His name was Jesus Christ. Can I hear you say amen? amen. So I want to say this. And I want you to hear it. You can die in cancer and you can go to heaven. You can die in natural causes and you can go to heaven. You can die in kidney trouble and sugar diabetes and poverty and loneliness and rags and a car accident and you can die in the poorhouse and still make heaven but you cannot die in sin and make heaven. Jesus is going to be dishing up a feast. And I don't know if he's going to stand up and he say, I want you to look at my servant Paul or my servant Moses or my servant David. We, and we sit down and think, man, how can we measure up to any of these? I think what Jesus is going to do is he's going to stand at the end of that table and he's going to look at the Father and he says, Dad, look at my brothers and sisters. Look at my brothers and sisters. They loved me. They gave their lives for me. They lived for me. Father, we're going to spend eternity together. Look at Revelation 19. And I heard, again, what sounded like a shout of a vast crowd. When you look up that, that term, it's a number that, that cannot even be measured innumerable, shouting praise the Lord for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice. Let us give honor to him for the time of the wedding feast of the Lamb has come for the bride prepared herself. Matthew 5 says it this way, rejoice and be glad for great is your reward in heaven. In Matthew 6 it tells us, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. You see, 
It's all about the eternal, not the temporal. Our life on this earth is not about the here and now. It's about the then and there. Can somebody say amen? You see, it's rewards for sincerity, for suffering, for sacrifice, for service. No matter what you have been through as a Christian, no matter what you are going through as a child of God right now, ladies and gentlemen, listen, it will be worth it all. On that day, it might be a struggle to rejoice today, but on that day, we will all rejoice. But listen to what the Word of God says. The greatest rejoicing will come because of souls coming to Christ. There's nothing more that you can do that will, rain, that will get accolades in eternity more than leading somebody to Christ. Some of us that are in this room today would sit back and say, well, Pastor, I'm just not an evangelist. I'm just not evangelistic. I'm just not outgoing. I'm a little more of an introvert than an extrovert. You know, I'm kind of, as long as you're not a, a closet Christian. So, well, what do you mean by closet Christian? You're only a Christian openly when you're in church, but at work, you're hidden behind a closet. No, the Word of God says there is no such thing as a closet Christian. You are either open in your life in Christ or there is no life in Christ. Amen. Folks, I, I'm, people say, well, Pastor, you're a little more outgoing than I. Yeah, probably. But you can still be a quiet Christian. You just live the life. Just live the life. When people ask you a question, when they come up to your angel and say, what is that smile on your face? I know you had a new baby, but you had the smile before you had the baby. That's because I love Jesus. And that's all he has to say. That will send through their lives a shuddering that there's something more to life than living and dying. Am I making sense this morning? Before all can begin, all has to be concluded. Luke 15 says there's more joy. Not over the 99 that are saved, but over the one that has been found. See, God's purpose of Calvary will finally be fulfilled when all is con concluded. What is God's purpose? John 14, that where I am, you can be also. And that's in the presence of my Father. You know, heaven is going to be a glorious time of homecoming. It's going to be a time of friends and loved ones already there to meet us. We had Don Piper here with us a few years ago, and he wrote the book uh, 90 Minutes in Heaven. He died in a car crash, uh, was run over by an 18-wheeler, smashed the car. He was pulverized. But God brought him back. God healed him. God lifted him up. He's going through lots of pain even today, all these years later. But yet he saw heaven, and he went to heaven, and he came, and he said the thing that he saw there was at the gates. There were countless people that he knew. Somebody asked me, he said, Pastor, are we going to know anybody in heaven? You're going to know everybody. We're going to know. I, I don't know how we're going to know that that was Moses. I mean, the Bible didn't put a snapshot of Moses in the book. Maybe your book. My, my, my book's not there. We don't know exactly what Paul looks like. We know that he was kind of a, a shorter fellow. He's kind of gruff. We don't know what David looked like. We know he was kind of a good-looking boy, you know, red hair and all that kind of stuff. We, we, but we still don't know exactly. But yet the Bible says we're going to know each other. We're going to know them because we're going to know him. 
It's going to be a great homecoming. Friends, loved ones already there. We'll be with whom we've known in the scriptures, Moses, Abraham, Abraham and David. But folks, then we will see Jesus. The question that always puzzles me is with all that heaven has to offer, it's hard to see why anyone would deliberately choose to miss it. Why anyone would deliberately choose to miss it. You say, Pastor, how would anybody deliberately choose to miss heaven? Because they choose against Christ. They don't choose Jesus, who the Bible says is the only way to heaven. Once again, before everything can begin, all the rest has to be concluded. This life, this world has to be concluded. Second thing, for those who get to heaven, what can we expect? Last week, we we looked at the passage in Luke where Jesus told the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. And we found that paradise was not just a random statement, but is, is a literal place The wording is a literal place of the king. The original language, the word was was paradiosus. It literally means an Eden, or listen to this, a place of future happiness. Look at Revelation chapter 2. To everyone who is victorious... You're not just randomly victorious. You're not just just happen chance victorious. You are purposefully victorious in this life. Look what he says. You are victorious in overcoming. All that means is you're just living for God. When the storms and the waves blow against you, yeah, you get knocked down a little bit. You get ruffled up a little bit, but you overcome because you've come over to Christ. Everyone that's victorious, look what it says. I will give you to eat of the the tree and the fruit of life, or the fruit of the tree of life, where? In the paradise of God. So the Bible says we will be in the paradise of God. But what are we going to be doing there? Singing? Actually, yes. But worshiping and serving. You can look at Revelation 23 later, 22. You see, what we've got to do to really understand where we're going, we have to remember where we came from. We must go back to the beginning as God intended things to be. Remember what the scripture says, we will see a new beginning. Why? What does it say? He is going to make all things new. Think about that for a minute. What did God make in the beginning? Heaven and earth. What's he going to make new? Heaven and earth. Why is he going to make earth again? Hmm. Why is he going to make heaven again? Let's go back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 1. God said, let us make humans. I'm reading out the message. Uh, Eugene Peterson's, uh, it's a paraphrase, it's not really a translation. Let us make human beings in our own image. And what's it say next? So they can be responsible. 
God gave creation a responsibility in the very beginning. He gave man responsibility. What was responsibility? For the fish, the birds, the cattle, and yes, for earth itself. Turn these monitors down a little bit, please. Look what the word of God says. God blessed them. And what did he say? Prosper, reproduce, fill the earth. What's the next words? Take charge and be responsible. What did man do in the garden? He left his responsibility. Is this drawing a little bit of a picture of what God planned from the beginning? Every living thing that moves on the earth, be responsible for it. And so it was. And God looked over everything that he made. And what did it say? What did it say? It's in your notes. It's not a trick question. What did he say? It was good. It was very good. So does that mean God made a mistake in the beginning? What's, come on. I'm, I'm, I'm putting you in the message today. God said everything he made was good. Man was good. The earth was good. Guess what was withering around in that garden? Yes, Satan has no power, except God allows it. Are you tracking with me today? And look what God said in Genesis chapter 2. He took man and set him in the garden to do what? To work. Now now look at me. If you think heaven's just going to be a free ride, nope. It's going to be a placing us back to our responsibility to worship and to serve. You mean I'm going to be working my tail off in heaven? No. It's not the work like we think. Everything God did at the beginning was perfect, complete, and very good. And because of sin, but because of sin, We have never been able to fully worship or serve the Lord as he had planned. Because Adam and Eve chose to turn against, rebel against God. You say, Pastor, it wasn't their fault. The devil made them do it. It was their deal. Just like it's your deal, my my deal. I talk to people all the time and say, Pastor, you don't understand. I didn't have any choice in this. They made me take those pills. They made me smoke that joint. They made me do whatever, fill in the blank. The last time I looked at it, I was pretty much in charge of what I did or didn't do. Because of the fall, because of sin, we have never been able to worship or serve as God has planned. Yet, that will be no more. All of our motivations will be to love, to worship, to serve the one who saved us and gave us all. And sin will have no more place. God 
is preparing to make everything the way he intended it to be when he first created everything and placed man in the garden. Do you get a picture here? Jesus, or excuse me, just as it was in the original garden, it will be this in paradise. A place of infinite learning, a place of infinite knowledge, a place of infinite understanding. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, he said exceeding abundantly above anything we could ask or think, we are able to do according to his power that lives in us. Let me give you a picture of the garden, the original garden. In Genesis 2.19, I believe it is, you look at the garden and the Bible says God created all the living creatures on the earth. He created them just like he did Adam from the dust of the ground. And then he brought them one by one to Adam and said, what do you call them? How did a cow become a cow? Adam called it a cow. How did a moose become a moose? Adam called it a moose. How did a pig become a pig? How did a bird become a bird? Have you ever, see, I'm one of those kind of people, I I look at things and I think, who ever thought about eating that little thing that came out of the wrong end of a chicken the first time? I mean, it just kind of plopped out there and all of a sudden we decided it's breakfast. See, that's how I think those ways. I know some of you said, now we know what's wrong with him. If you heard that one loud amen, that was my wife. But have you ever thought those ways? This was the infancy of Adam's mind. Once again, it's medical fact that there's only a small section of the mind that is being used. Could it be because of sin that our mind was reduced? Some of you don't look at somebody and say, I knew there was something wrong with your head. God is preparing to make everything the way he intended it to be the way he first created everything when he placed man in the garden. Look at Matthew 25. He set the sheep on his right hand and he set the goats on the left. The sheep were the obedient, the goats were the rebellious. The sheep were going to heaven, the goats are going, yes, the other place, it's called hell. The king will say to those on his right hand, the sheep. Look what it says. Come, you blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you. From when? From the foundation of the world. God created the garden. God created the beginning. And he created that to be that way for eternity. 
but man fell. Man chose a different way. Though the Bible does not give us intimately clear detail about our activities in heaven, we will, or what they'll be, wouldn't you agree that it suffices that heaven's going to be anything but boring? Are you ready to get into the gates? I'm going to take you and I want you to open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 7. Last week I made you read out of your Bibles. I want you to read out of your Bibles this week. You should find these places in Scripture to where you can read them yourself. But what I want to do is I want to take and see some of the specific activities that the Bible talks about for the new heaven and the new earth. So let me read Revelation chapter 7. We're going to start with the ninth verse of Revelation chapter 7. I have very small writing in my Bible. I probably should get bigger writing. Um, well, I'm in Revelation 9. I'm too far away. Here we are. Starting with the ninth verse. Look what it says. After this I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count. Look at this. Every nation, every tribe, every people, every language standing before the throne in the front of the Lamb, and they were wearing white robes, and they were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our Lord who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and and the uh, uh, and around the elders and the four living creatures. You can read about them in Revelation 4. They fell down and they worshipped the Lord saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever and ever. Amen. Can't you hear them? Holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty. Then one of the elders asked me, these in white robes, who are they? And where did they come from? And I answered, sir, you know. And he said, they are those that have come out of the great tribulation. So listen to me. The, the judgment seat of Christ, this all happens during the tribulation, before we return with Christ at the end of the tribulation to do war with, at, our, at Armageddon. These are the ones that have come out of the tribulation. They were martyrs. If you happen to be a Christian here and you do not make the rapture, which the Bible is very clear about, if you do not make the rapture, then you will enter into what is called uh, uh, the, God's judgment or God's wrath. Uh, on this earth, seven years. And you say, well, pastor, how do we get through it? Well, if you live for Christ and you truly will make a declaration for Christ, you will become a martyr. You will die during the tribulation period. Okay? Not a very good thing to look, look forward to. So I think the rapture is better. How many would say? Okay. So that's what you look for. Okay, how do you look for the rapture? You're living for him. He said, I'm looking for those looking for me. How am I looking for Christ? I'm living for him. Look what it says here. He said, those are the ones that came out of the tribulation period. Okay? Uh, and, uh, uh, and have washed their robes and made them white 
in the blood of the Lamb. What does that mean? These were people potentially that before the rapture didn't make it. They had robes of righteousness because that's what you get when you become a Christian. But their robes had become stained. Now they are washed with the blood of the Lamb and made clean. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tent over them. Look at this. Never again will they be thirsty. Never again will they be hungry. The sun will not beat on them nor scorch the heat. The lamb will be at the center of the throne, will be their shepherd. He will lead them into the springs of living water. And look at this last verse. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And look at chapter 8, verse 1. It says there's 30 minutes of silence in heaven. Most Bible scholars believe what that is. It's following seven, chapter 7, where he says, I'm wiping away everything. But that's that place where God takes all of the pain, all the sorrow, and is washed away. See, this is how we can live in heaven knowing that family didn't make it. This is how we can live in heaven knowing that friends, loved ones, because he's going to wash it all away. No more tears, no more sorrow. Are you with me today? And then in the new heaven, there will be an eternal feast. The scriptures there for you to find, you can look through. Scripture declares that we will worship. That word worship is the same word that we get serve. When you're worshiping, you're serving. When you're serving, you're worshiping. Alongside with the angels, you can see that in Revelation also. So what I want to do for a few moments this morning is I want to revisit Eden. Because in many ways, heaven will mirror God's very good creation. We must realize that his full plan, though not thwarted, was delayed throughout the past millennia. We will even once again have access to the tree of life and its delights. First Corinthians, we talked about this a little last week. Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, neither has it entered the heart of a man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. So we can only speculate what this means by revisiting the glory of the original Eden. Scripture declares we will work as well as worship. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve worked. From the beginning of time, they worked. But look what happened after the fall. It's not in your notes, but you can read it. After they were discharged from the garden, the Bible says from the dust of the ground will thorn and thistle come up. And listen what it says. And man by the sweat of his brow will work. Before that, you never heard anything about that. The struggle, the difficulty of work, all the, all the different tangible realities of frustration that were encompassed about by work. It was a pleasurable thing. There was one person that quoted, I couldn't find an author of it, but they said, if you find the job you love, you'll never have to work a day in your life. You see, I think heaven's going to be like that. 
as it relates to work, Adam was given work to do. But his work was not burdensome. Matthew chapter 11, verse 30 says, My yoke is easy and my, my burden is light. It is not a struggle, but it's very rewarding and the fruit of our labors will blossom in the garden. God had made him and he has made us to be stewards of his creation. We're told what it would have been, excuse me, we're not told what it would have been like if Adam and Eve had, had obeyed, but he was the steward of the entire planet and potentially belong uh, beyond. We, we don't know fully because they fell. They turned away and God immediately discharged them from the garden and he put angels on each end that they could not go back in. And there's all kinds of speculation around that. We won't even get into that. But is there any specificity of what our responsibility would be given in all of eternity? I think it's worked loose again, Victor. Scripture is still there. Scripture only reveals that his servants will serve him. Thank you. It only says that his servants will serve him. I think I got it. Revelation 22, look at your scriptures. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, which is crystal clear, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. What was the curse? The curse was because of the fall. Are you with me? The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city. And his servants will serve him. Look at somebody and says, I think I'm getting a new job. They will see his face. People ask, will we see God? We will see his face. And his name will be on our foreheads. There will be no more night and no need of light or lamp because the Lord will give the light and we will reign forever and ever. The works... Though works didn't save us, the Bible says that there's relevance to works in eternity. And I left in your notes, 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15. You can study that through. But look at Matthew chapter 25, verse 23. We were in 33 earlier. Verse 23, look what it says. His master replied. Now look at me for a second. Matthew 25, you know where it finds itself in the Bible? Just after Matthew 24. Matthew 24, what is that? That is the passage in the Bible that is clearly defining the rapture of the church. The beginning of the tribulation period of the church in Matthew 24. At the end of that passage, we find Matthew 25. And look what it says here in the 23rd verse. His master said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. The same well done that we find in Revelation 22. 
Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Look what it says. You've been faithful in a few things. Listen to this. He's talking about eternity. He's talking about a new heaven, a new earth. You've been faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. We're going to be doing stuff in heaven. I'm not sure about that working stuff, Pastor. Look what it says. Come and share in your master's happiness. Let me take you to Isaiah 65. Pay close attention now. I didn't say that. The scripture said that right there. Pay close attention now. I'm creating new heavens and a new earth. All the earlier trouble, chaos, pain, things of the past to be forgotten. People, you say, Pastor, this is, this is Isaiah. Did you know the Bible has 66 books in it? Did you know that Isaiah has 66 chapters? Isaiah is basically the entire word of God in miniature. It starts at the creation, Isaiah 1, and it ends in eternity, Isaiah 66. Interesting book for you to read. Listen to this. Listen to this. I'm creating a new heaven, new earth. We're in Isaiah 65. All the trouble, the chaos, the pain, the things of the past, they're going to be forgotten. Look ahead with joy. Anticipate what I'm creating. I'll create Jerusalem as sheer joy. Create my people as pure delight. I'll take joy in Jerusalem and take delight in my people. That's where you and I will be living and coming in and out of is a new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven. The Bible says four square, 1,500 miles deep, 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles high. The presence of the Lord is going to be right here on earth. Where? In Jerusalem. If you have a chance, we're doing a tour. Uh, my wife and I are going to be leading a tour to Jerusalem in November of this year. If you want to be a part of that, my wife has brochures. It's going to be a time. Folks, we're going to see the place where new Jerusalem is going to be set up. Let's continue in Scripture. No more sound of weeping, no cries of anguish, nor babies dying in the cradle, or old people who won't enjoy full lifetimes. A 100th birthday will just be a normal activity in this place. Anything less would be a cheat. They'll build houses and move in. Folks, we're talking about eternity. We're going to build houses and move in. We're going to plant fields. We're going to eat what we grow. There's no more building of a house that somebody's going to steal from us or take over. No more planting fields that some enemy is going to confiscate. For my people will be long, as long-lived as trees. My chosen ones will have satisfaction in their work. They won't work and have nothing come from it. They won't have children snatched out from under them. They themselves are plantings blessed by God, their children and their grandchildren likewise will be blessed. Can somebody say amen? This is a picture of what eternity is going to be like. As I shared earlier, we know that the universe is teeming with billions and billions of galaxies. Scientists confirm that. Billions that they've never even seen. The only place that we know of that has life is right here on earth. Pastor, how do you know? Because God would have told us. 
Are you with me? Could that change in eternity? We can only speculate. But look at Ephesians 2. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms. Present tense. He's raised us up and he's seated us. We're already saved and we're already set in the position that God has planned. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. Now look at your screen. We will participate in eternity in his plan for the ages. Could this have a physical meaning? Think about it. Exactly how big is paradise, the paradise of God? I'm just going to throw some speculation. Will each of us have a galaxy? See, that was the only thing the Mormons did get right. The rest of us all jacked up, but they got that part right. You know that we're going to potentially, I don't, I don't know. I haven't been there yet. Will each of us have a galaxy? Look at this. Adam tended the garden. If there's billions of Christians, will there be billions of gardens? Folks, I don't know. But we very well could tend a universal garden or a stellar showcase. All I know is the scripture says we will see his handiwork. Psalm chapter 19, verse 1. You need to go look at these scriptures, folks. Maybe there's going to be multiple gardens that we will go from place to place, just like we go from house to house today, to visit friends and neighbors and relatives. Is that what it's going to be like, Pastor? I can only imagine. But I do know that the Bible is clear. I has not seen nor ear heard. Neither has it entered the heart of man the things that God has prepared. But remember, it will be a new heaven, a new earth. Where are we going to live? I think we're going to live right here on earth the one God originally intended. I had some friends of mine last year said, Pastor, you think I'll be able to see Montana before Jesus comes? And I said, I don't know. But you might see it after the rapture. Immediately he was perplexed. You don't think I'm going to the rapture? No. Because I believe that there's going to be a Montana. I believe there's going to be a Hong Kong. You say, Pastor, this is kind of weird. Is it going to be Hong Kong? Don't know. Is it going to be Montana? Don't know. Why is God creating a new earth?
Why is he creating new heavens? Good to see you, Carrie. Why? I guess he could just give us the clouds to float around on. How many think we might be needing a place to live for all eternity? Now, we're going to be like the angels. Well, pastor, what's the significance of that? The angels are not subject to time and space. (laughs) Folks, I'm just speculating. I don't know. I haven't been there. But I do know the Bible gives us some very clear perspective. New heaven, new earth, new skies, new outer space. All of creation is going to be given a fresh start. Physical, spiritual. As the worship team comes. What I do know is we will probably have unlimited access to all of everything, everywhere, all the time. Say, Pastor, how are we going to know for sure? You got to get there. You got to get there. You got to get there. See, all I can do is show you this is what Scripture says. Isaiah 65 says we're going to be building. We're going to be planting. We're going to be living. Revelation. If you want to get really excited, read. If you want to get really excited, yeah. Revelation 21 and 2. Read them. Say, Pastor, you've been talking about the rapture. The last place in the Word of God where the church is mentioned is Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. The next time that we see the church is Revelation chapter 21. The new heaven, the new earth. God has a plan. He wants you to be a part of it. He wants me to be a part of it. What's heaven going to be like? It's going to be glorious. I pray that today, if you look at the bottom of your notes, once again, I put tons of scripture that you can go that will give you even more description, more understanding. So much that we can't even fathom, but we can't imagine what heaven's going to be. But ladies and gentlemen, why would anybody want to miss it? Say, Pastor, I don't want to miss it. How do I get there? You have to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There is no other way. I know a lot of religions, well, there's lots of ways. Nope. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one gets to heaven except through him. Well, that's not what I believe. Eternity is a long time to be wrong. People say, well, what if you're wrong? Well, then I've just lived a good life. I've been good to people. I've loved people. I've been gracious. I've been giving. I've accepted the Lord and Savior who died for me. If I'm wrong, well, praise the Lord. But what if you're wrong? 
Is eternity worth the chance? So I just want to take a moment as the music's playing. And I want to ask you, is your heart right with God? Do you know the only hope for mankind, which is Jesus Christ? I didn't write the words. He did. He said there's only one way, and that's through him. If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of decision. Are you going to heaven? Or are you going to hell? Oh, it's not that simple. It is. The Word of God says you're going to heaven or you're going to hell. Two places. And my wife and I were raised Catholic. Folks, I've searched the Scripture. There is no purgatory. You don't get to check out, check in, and hopefully if you somebody prays for you long enough, you get to check out again. Nope. It's a one-way ticket. To be absent from the body is to be eternity. Present with the Lord or the other place. Well, can you prove that in the Bible? Countless places. Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? That's the only way to see what we're talking about. To see this place called heaven. Where are you going to spend eternity? A new heaven, new earth. Unlimited access. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast. We are-